Hey everybody, welcome to the Fight Talk Podcast. This is Steven Jensen. Before we get started, just wanted to jump on here and let you know that John Mosley has the week off dealing with some sinus infection stuff, so hope he gets better soon. Expect to hear him next week, but today we have an episode of Fight Talk with myself and Doug Bateman. This is actually taken from a live chat that we did last night. I'm recording this portion of the audio on the 28th of April, so Wednesday, um, but every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern, you can hear myself and Doug we do live chats, very interactive with the people that watch live. Um, and this was a big portion of the show last night. It, we did a full-on review for UFC 261. And we also talked about who Nick Diaz could be fighting in his return to the Octagon. So a lot of good stuff here. So once again, expect to hear Moe's next week. But still got something for you this week talking UFC 261 with myself and Doug Bateman. And the full episode of our conversation from our live chat last night will be available tomorrow on this Fight Talk podcast feed. So you'll hear this again if, you know, or you can fast forward to this portion, of course, if you listen later on down the road. Um, but yeah, we'll have our full, it was like two and a half hours or so for the live chat yesterday. All that audio will be up here tomorrow on the Fight Talk podcast feed. And before we get started on this episode that you're about to hear, I wanted to tell you all about our friends over at Music City Toys and Collectibles. Founded in 2002, formerly known as Heroes and Legends, Music City Toys and Collectibles is your southern fried source for vintage and modern toys autograph memorabilia, and all things pop culture. Visit their brand new retail location, opening May 1st at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee. Keep up to date with all their special in-store signings, online sales, and convention appearances at musiccitytoys.biz, and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at musiccitytoys. And I'll be there May 1st, live in the house. I'm going to go get some autographs, going to go hang out with Dan Severn. It's going to be a really good time. Please join us once again May 1st at 101 West Main Street in Waterton, Tennessee, it's coming up this weekend. It's um, but this Saturday at, at the time of this recording. So please join us. It's going to be a really good time. And like I just mentioned, MusicCityToys.biz is their new website. And if you go to the sponsors or the, the uh, partners tab, I should say, on their site, it actually has a a spot for the Fight Talk podcast. So I've been very happy to be partnering with Music City Toys and Collectibles, even back to the days when they were heroes and legends. And you know, big shout out to Chad Flat, the dude who runs the ship over there. And uh, yeah, check them out, support Music City Toys and Collectibles. With that all being said, kick back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Fight Talk Podcast with me and Doug Bateman talking UFC 261. I've been dying for crowds to come back. Like, at the end of the day, like, I just wanted to get back to some sense of normal, but like... I can't under I can't I can't overstate how much they mean to be back. Like just the energy, the pops, the 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 excitement. It was just amazing. Um, and what I did personally is I didn't watch any of the prelims because what I, I was going to go to Bills. And um, the funny thing about that too is it was like Bill just hit me up. Like, I don't know if it was like Thursday, Friday and like, Hey man, if you know, if I got the pay-per-view, would you come over? And I was like, absolutely. So he decided to get the pay-per-view. And I mean, Bill hasn't gotten a pay, a UFC pay-per-view in like four or five years. I mean, a wow. long time. And so, uh, I'm coming over there and like, I decided I didn't want to watch any of the prelims because I didn't want that feeling of when I first hear it to be spoiled. You know what I mean? So I go over there and like I hear them and it's just it's just it felt amazing. And then the fun part about it, too, was I was able to explain all the storylines and like who should win and like why and who this person is and why this fight is intriguing to Bill because he had no clue about any of it. So um, it was it was really cool experience. Uh, It brought me back to the old days where we used to watch fights and stuff. So. I I had a really good time. He had a really good time. He was buzzing after the show. Like I could tell that he definitely got bit by the bug. Um, And so the first fight with Anthony Smith, I loved his entrance. Anthony said he just had this big smile on his face. He's normally very chilly. had this big smile on his face. He turns around the crowd. He looks up. He's got his arms out, big smiles. Um, you could just tell that it meant a lot. He's pumping his chest. Let's go. Like you could tell it meant a lot to him to be back in front of crowds. And uh, 
he his jab looked really good. He looked impressive. And he hit him with that leg kick. And then, I mean, dude, just like drop foot, dead leg, like and the exact results of what you see on those calf kicks, things like that. And I was just like, wow. Like, I was surprised it ended. You know, Bill was like, oh, let it go. He, he wants to fight. But I'm like, dude, he can't stand. And then, like, as soon as they called it, he falls down again just to, like, punch the cage. And I don't know. How do you feel about this, Steven? Because it's like, are we going to get to a point where, like, they completely figure this thing out and, like, a kick is just going to end fights immediately? Dude, that's a good question because I was actually thinking about that also. Because, like, in the UFC video games, like, for years, I've always, like, I spam leg kicks on people all the time, like, that I can't just straight up beat. So I want to start kicking them in the legs. But it takes, like, 100 leg kicks to put somebody down. And I've always felt like, you know, if, like, I I was, uh, Joe Rogan talked about it a lot on commentary over the years about how people don't utilize that, that front leg kick enough, especially when people are, especially for fighters like Connor. Who put their so much weight on their front leg when you're chopping away at that? It just, you know, we saw what happened with Connor and Poirier in their rematch and stuff. And yeah, man, it, it's the I I couldn't like right when Jimmy Crute, right when I could tell he got hit and he was hurt and he it looked like he had a dead leg. I had to look away from the screen, like I was kind of watching through one eye or one thing, like through my fingers, because I I like that's what. I've seen, I've seen so many brutal injuries, and we're going to get to another one here in a second. Oh, but like, absolutely. But, like, I can't – that's one of the hardest things for me to look at is knowing somebody who's going to just – like, it was inevitable that he was just going to roll his ankle or his tear his ACL yeah. or something and just fall down, and that's just so much worse. You always think of, like, totally different circumstances, but you think of, like, Sid Vicious jumping off the top and stuff, just the way, like, his, his foot crumbled under his leg and all. It's just – that's what I always think about it. It's like worst case scenario. And I couldn't look at it. And also just, just to mention, I, we had talked a little bit beforehand about the prelims, like before we went live, I forgot that I did watch the first two fights of the show and they were like two of the best fights of the year. So like the yeah, fans, they're really good. The fans in attendance were like, they, they could have like hit that peak early and kind of petered out throughout the show. And they kept that intensity from fight one all the way through the main event, which I thought was awesome. But, uh, but yeah, yeah to answer your question, dude, I think we're going to see more and more people utilizing the, the light kicks. Um, Cause why wouldn't you? Unless, unless you, I mean the Chris Weidman situation, which we'll talk about, maybe, maybe that'll maybe keep people from throwing them as hard. Um, I don't know. Well, let's talk about it. I mean, it's a good win for Anthony Smith, by the way. Yeah, I thought he looked good. I thought he really did. I thought he's uh, improved, and I'm definitely looking forward to his next fight. He's such a he doesn't he doesn't sound or come across like the guy that you like if you looked at him just on paper. Like he's extremely intelligent guy. He's very well spoken. Like he's a he's a cool guy. I like Anthony Smith. Me too. And it was good to see him get this win because, you know, his last one is, was against uh, Devin. Was it Devin Smith? I, I, let me just double check his last name so I don't get it wrong. Devin Clark. I'm sorry. Um, he beat Devin Clark in his last one. And, like, he really needed that win because he had lost, yep. you know, multiple fights. But to, like, the best guys in the division, it was the Sheridan right. Jones, right? And yep. maybe Santos in there. I think there was another one in there somewhere. Just for the record, let me just – uh oh yeah okay yeah it was Jones to share and uh, Rockage was the other one. Yeah yeah Rockage there you go. So like this win over Jimmy Crute, Jimmy Crute's legit. I think he was ranked like 13th or something coming into this, and Smith was I think at number six. So Smith holds his position and he'll continue to fight top ten guys. Maybe shouldn't be fighting the top five guys right now because like the positions they're all in. But yeah. you know number seven through ten, they'll line them up for for Anthony Smith. I think he sells a lot to uh, to contribute. Well, and like you said, they all pay him the same, so he doesn't care who it is. So yeah. it's like, well, it's a good attitude to have. Um, okay, I'm going to be controversial with the Weidman thing. Like, I know I am. Um, you will find no pity party from me. Like, at the end of the day, this happened exactly to Anderson Silva, and the guy put his arms up in the air and celebrated like he had just – destroyed Anderson on his own merit. And then he tried to defend in the post fight that the, uh, the check kick or the check uh, from his kick from Anderson's kick that happened. Like he, he basically said like, that's his, he did that and he deserves the win. 
And did he ever once like talk about giving Anderson another fight? Did he ever um, basically treat that like it was a freak accident and that like, no, he didn't. He, he, Uriah Hall handled that completely differently than Chris Weidman. So when I saw it happen to Weidman, I immediately thought MMA karma. Like I just, at the end of the day, like you live by the gun, you die by the gun. And it's, I do think it's crazy that the only couple of times that we've seen this, I know we saw it with Corey Dillon as well, but they both happened with Chris Weidman. And then like um, Weidman was the first guy to beat Anderson and like, Uriah was the last like it's crazy how that kind of parallel but it was a brutal injury but like at the end of the day like it's hard to feel sorry for a guy that literally celebrated when it happened to his opponent so that that's why I feel about it yeah I get get where you're coming from and I, I think there's a lot of people that that agree and I like I like I said I totally get it. I I mean I do feel bad for Wyman because I don't want to see that happen to anybody. Like that's such a brutal injury. Like that's I mean I didn't even want to see the still frames of it, but I it was unmissable through Twitter. Like so many people were posting it. What's that, brutal to me is it's not necessarily the break. It's when they back up and they try to stand on yes. it and fall on a broken foot, leg, whatever it is. Like that's when it's disgusting. Yeah, yeah, I told that's the same thing. That's like why I couldn't keep watching the Jimmy Crew fight for that exact reason because I know he's yeah. trying to put his weight on that and I know yes. it's not going to hold up. Um, right. You know, we saw it happen with Sean O'Malley against Andre Sukumtov also in a fight that that uh that O'Malley wound up winning because Sukumtov wouldn't just stand up off the ground. It was that was a bizarre thing too, but but dude, yeah, I I feel it's the thing the really the big takeaway with the Weidman Hall thing is like you said, it's just so it's the chances are just so insanely unlikely that something like this could happen. And I don't believe in like real karma, like that, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't believe yeah. this was directly anything like that, but like the chances of this happening are just insane. Like, I mean, basically impossible and, yeah. and it happened. So, um, you know, now to Chris Weidman's defense, like I, he has said in, you know, since that Anderson Silva lot or when that, you know, he didn't know how bad it was until after he celebrated and he went and he looked and he was like, that's when it like the shock set in. He didn't realize it initially. And also to your point with like the rematch, like I don't think he really owed Anderson Silva another fight, to be honest. Like he decisively beat him the first time. People can say he was, he was clowning in the ring, which he was, but that was on Anderson. And Weidman did check the kick. I mean, at the end of the day, it was a technique that he used. The, the Weidman and the Weidman and Uriah Hall one is even stranger because Uriah First Hall strike. didn't look, and he didn't look like he even checked the kick really. Like yeah. Weidman hit him, and he hit him right in the meat of his leg. Like it wasn't like a weird placement or anything. Um, and I think what Conor McGregor had tweeted out was something along the lines of, and I know Conor wouldn't know for sure, but he was speculating, saying that Weidman must have had some like like minor injuries in his leg that were undiagnosed or something. And it was just the straw that broke the camel's back because that's such right. a, you threw such a standard leg kick that wasn't yeah. checked. So yeah, just a freak accident, man. I, ho- I hope my, he doesn't my biggest again. Thing, my biggest thing is, is I, if it ends his career, then I think that that's unfortunate. Um, but I think it could end his career. Yeah. But I just, I just have a hard time like feeling sympathy for someone that I feel like when the when the roles were reversed, he handled it completely differently than Uriah Hall did. And so for that reason, I'm just kind of like, whatever. Um, but I mean, I don't want to see anybody truly get hurt. Like you watch these fights to see a winner and a loser. You don't watch these fights to see limbs get broken and all that stuff. And if you do, then you're a pretty demonic person. Um you know, I remember the Frank Mir, Tim Sylvia broken arm and all that. Like, none of that stuff has ever been like, oh, I'm so glad I ordered the pay-per-view to see that. Like, you don't want freak injuries that take guys out for years. Um, so that part was unfortunate. And honestly, at this point, I'm kind of looking at Bill with three fights left and thinking <laughs> this thing is doomed. Like, yeah. Well, this thing is about to be a dud. We have two freak, freak things that happened in the fight, and now we got title fights coming up. But, man, did the tide turn 
And those title fights were awesome. So Valentina, um, you know, I remember in the chat that we were talking last time and we were talking about how much bigger Valentina is than Andrade. And man, I really thought that that played big time in the fight. Like there were times where Andrade totally got off first to get the takedown and Valentina stopped her dead in her tracks and spun her completely around and then slammed her um, to finish her with the crucifix. And also not only that, she completely changed her style. Like she just went for takedowns and she wasn't really trying to stand with her, even though she was doing fine in the standup. And I just thought that that was a big, um, a big indication that Valentina could just literally do whatever she wanted to to her, and that's exactly what happened. And she finished her with brutal in a brutal crucifixion with elbows, cut her open. I thought honestly the fight went a little too long. I thought they could have stopped it sooner because there was no way Andrade was getting out of there, and it was just punishment to take. But I mean, Valentina looks dominant as ever. Yeah, she really does, and. I was really impressed that she just, I mean, she kind of, it's like she played it smart and played it safe, but like still was going for the finish. Like she, cause she could have went in there and like kickboxed her like she does with so many of her other opponents. Cause she's probably a better overall striker than Andrade is. Andrade has knockout power. Like we've seen that in the past, but like Chuka, or uh, not Chukagan, she knocked out Chukagan. Um, Shevchenko, you know, she could have went in there and tried her luck, and she probably still would have won in kickboxing if it was just straight-up kickboxing, I think, for five rounds. But instead, she was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go out there. I know I'm a better wrestler. I mean, I mean I, she knows she's a better athlete. So she just goes, she went out there with a great game plan, put her on the ground, was masterful and you know, getting into a position to, hit that, to get into a crucifix. And it, anytime you see that, I always – Good reminder of, of you know Roy Nelson and Kimbo. That that's that position right there. The the crucifix yep. and the the short elbows. And people can get mad about it and go, well, she's not knocked out. But it's like she's getting hit in the head over and over and over with elbows. She's not going to be able to get out of it. There's still minutes left on the clock. It's over. It's the equivalent yeah. of basically getting pinned in a wrestling match. Like you're just you're stuck and you're, you're yeah. not going anywhere. Um, Once you see somebody that dominant, that strong, put you in a crucifix, it's over. You're not getting out. Yeah, for sure. So it's yeah, and and I know we might as well just bring it up now because I'm sure we would have anyways. But I feel like Shevchenko and Nunez—that's the only fight for Shevchenko that's even interesting right now because she's so dominant over everyone at 125. I think Nunez is going to fight, you know, Pena, and then I think I think that. Shevchenko will probably fight somebody else very, you know, just put her on a UFC 200 something, whatever. And uh, on the pay-per-view. And then I think after that, they'll probably discuss that, that fight again, because there's going to be nothing for Amanda and there's going to be nothing for Valentina. So yeah. Like destroy Joanne Calderwood or something like that. And then, We'll we'll be right back here discussing. And, and to me, Adraj, listen, you you almost you did beat Rose, and you almost beat Rose again. I think she has a way better chance of becoming a champion if that's what she wants to do at going back to that division than staying where she's at because she had absolutely no chance against Valentina. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, and I and I think you're right about kind of the the time frame it, it's Nunez and you said Pena is it Pena or Pena next Pena Pena Juliana Pena, Pena. Pena. Uh, for some reason I was thinking Jessica Pena I don't know why that you know she she just came back that's why she's been back oh. she was gone for like three years off of steroids and then she just came back and won gotcha she, she's the one that got power bombed like like uh outsider style like they threw her <laughs> that's so awesome yeah Man, i love when you see pro wrestling moves actually work in mixed martial arts that's the oh, best rampage power bomb never gonna forget it that is but but i think you're right about both the kind of trajectories of Shevchenko and um and nunez like if i mean if Shevchenko wants to take another fight that's great i mean if she doesn't want to and she just wants to wait out until nunez you know has another title defense i'm like however they want to figure it out i'm fine um, if she, if Shevchenko wants to stay at 125 and just keep knocking out contender after contender, I'm fine with that. Also, 
Um, it's just she just seems to have no competition at 125. So you know what this kind of reminds me of? It kind of reminds me of Vanderlei and Pride when they just kept fe- feeding him like Japanese stars, and he yeah. would just crush them to pieces. Like that's what it's like right now with Valentina. There's absolutely no competition, and you just feed her to the wolves. Like you feed, she just destroys every every girl they put in there, and it's not even close. It's a lot like Cyborg when she was kind of in Strike Force or any of that stuff. Like, um, and what's interesting to me is everyone's like Amanda's the goat, Amanda's the goat, Amanda's the goat. Like Valentina's not too far behind that goat status. That's why I think it's really interesting. And I honestly think the UFC marketing is going to be who is the goat. Like that will be the marketing of the third fight. Yeah, especially because the rematch was a split decision. Like, people forget how close that was. And some um, people think Valentina won. Honest question, and I'm, I'm really not saying this to be like, um, like, uh, I'm not saying, I don't know how to, what the word is. I'm not trying to be facetious by asking this. Do you, yeah. do, do you think, because I honestly don't know the answer to this. Like, do you think Valentina could beat a male 125 or like, not like a top ranked, but like, like she's yes. that good. I, I do yes. too. I think I do too. Yeah. Um, if we're talking, you know, top maybe like fifty to maybe a hundred to one fifty or something. I mean, it'd have to be kind of up there. But like, I'd actually be interested in seeing her compete against a male, like because she's just so dominant. If they could find the right matchup, like it's not, not only that she's just dominant; she just is very technical too. Like, right? She's great. She's technical. She's 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 just good, and, and like she displayed how good she was even on the ground, like. She she decided to take that into a wrestling match when she had every advantage in striking. So it's just like it's extremely impressive. I I think that she's and she she really looks like she's only getting better. So yeah, I uh, props to her. Dude, now, I was there live when she knocked out Jessica I, and if she hits that on anybody, it's like out. It doesn't matter who you are. That's fantastic. How loud did that sound? Echo. I mean, it was, yeah, yeah it was not. I mean, you just saw her just fall back. I mean, it was. Like well, a the funny thing view. is, too, is people are watching that, right? And and it's like uh, it, they're not expecting her to win, Jessica I to win this at all. But I don't think they're expecting that dominant of a KO either. And when it happens, it's just like, oh, my God. So yeah. yeah, it's and what another thing too is like you know like Florida is supposed to be this like red state and all this stuff, but yet like here's Valentina, a Russian, getting this huge Valentina chant, Valentina, Valentina. This girl is a star, man. Like people love her, and uh, I I really don't do think she's getting kind of cocky though, and I'm okay with that. But like I I've never heard her confidence as much as she is right now. Well, another thing too, like because speaking of her confidence, you know, she does like that dance after she wins her fights. Like I was thinking, based on like the last two fights we saw, I was like, "Don't stop your leg! Don't stop your leg! Don't stop your leg!" That's like all I was thinking. But she's spinning yeah. around in circles. I'm like, we've seen two complete freak accidents already. Like, God, yeah, yeah. And, like Dana um, would just get on the press conference and be like, "Yeah, Valentina will never do that dance in the octagon again." <laughs> <laughs> just like never. Oh, so. Man. Yeah, and I I guess we can talk about this next fight, but I do want to bring this up. How annoying – at first I loved it, but how annoying did the F. Jake Paul chance become? <laughs> Honestly, I stopped noticing it, I'm like, to be totally honest. Like, I, saw, I realized it the first time it happened and all the bit, yep. all the ruckus. With the, I saw the videos of Daniel Cormier you know, up face-to-face with him and all that stuff. But yeah. after that, I really didn't notice it, to be honest. I was just like, I would, and I had some friends over for the fight, so we're, you know, just hanging out and feeling we'll right, right. So, but uh, I mean, but uh, to be honest, the only thing that bothers me about any of that is that the MMA can, I mean, it's almost like the MMA community squeezes the toothpaste and they can't get it back in the tube. Cause like, we just yeah. shouldn't, we just shouldn't have paid attention to it to begin with. I agree. With. And now, now, like, he had. I mean, Dana's talking about suing him basically for slander because Jake's calling out all of his fighters, and his fighters can't contractually fight him. So it's making his fighters in the UFC look bad now. And it's like, did you did you listen to Dana at the post fight press conference though? I I didn't see his entire uh, his entire. I know he's up there for like a half I mean, hour. His tune kind of changed. Like yeah. it was like good for the kid. 
The kids learned how to make some money. But what I did love, though, is Dana was like, look, I run a professional business of real fights. People come here to see real fights. What that kid does is a circus. That is not an uh, official sport. That is a complete circus. If you want to watch stuff like that, then you can watch his show. But like, if you're here for real fights with real professionals, where the best fight the best, that's what I do. And so, like, I, 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 I respected that because it was like saying, "Look, at the end of the day, like, let the kid make his money." But like, if you're talking about serious fights with real stakes and the best in the world, then you're talking about this right here. So, um, but yeah, I did. I feel like he's going to show up in Houston too. I feel like he's going to try to start crap with Nate Diaz or Nick Diaz or something like that. Like the guy's a troll and he's telling Ariel Hawani flat out, I'm a troll. Like that's what I do. And yet we keep buying into it. And that's why I was like with the, with the Logan Paul thing too. I'm like, quit supporting this stuff. Like don't even bother with it. Quit talking about it and it'll go away. But man, like these kids have just captured uh, their 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 fame and and they're going to take advantage of it till till the time runs out. So it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I call it the hype beast. You know what I mean? I, I didn't make that name up, but like that's like it, it's it's. I when I talk about Sean O'Malley, I'm always talking about the hype beast crowd, and like that. It's like that's yep. the, that's that audience that they're trying to. Um, now. You know, to be honest, I have no problem with Logan Paul boxing Floyd Mayweather. Like, Floyd Mayweather did that thing with tension in Japan that was, like, a total joke also. I mean, Floyd is just out there. If he could go out there and do pro wrestling against the big show, in this, you know, that's that's what he's doing now. It's not – he's not out there to be the best boxer in the world anymore. He's out there to just keep making money on his name, which I don't really care, you know. But the Jake Paul stuff is interesting, too, because he's – the. I hate to admit it, but he's making some decent points out there too. Like he's also out there talking about fighter pay, which like he's right about. Like he's making more money than all the UFC fighters are, which is like, I mean, which is pretty baffling. You ha- you have, um, you know, he's talking about how he the reason he keeps targeting MMA fighters to box him. It actually makes sense. He's like because boxing is you know it's an aspect of what they do professionally, but they're not professional boxers. And I'm only a few fights in, and I've just only been training for a few years at only boxing. So it's like seems somewhat level to fight to box an MMA guy versus you know he says he has aspirations of fighting real boxers eventually, but thinks this is just the better way of going about it right now. And what, like you said, it's it's kind of on everybody for just kind of allowing all this to happen because now we're at a point where like. Jake Paul is probably a bigger name in combat sports than most UFC fighters, if not all of them, which is like, so you kind of have to listen to what he's saying. So here's my thing is I think Jake Paul is a bigger name than most boxers. I think UFC is a different breed just because it's a completely different sport, right? So you are jumping into that sport, but most boxers are not household names. Most of these guys are just nobodies and they'll push them like they're household names and they're not. That's why boxing's in the position that it's in right now because they never have allowed the best to fight the best and shown who is the best. And then stars are built off of that. They don't do that. They're not willing to risk their fighters. So it's such a corrupt system. And that's why I hate the fighter pay argument because the UFC cares so much more about the undercard than boxing ever will. True, boxing right. is a one fight show. That's what it is. And so to me, like, yeah, you got Frank Mir in there and you know, you were going to get Antonio Tarver, but I mean, you, you literally only had one fight that people were going to pay for Logan Paul and, and uh, Floyd Mayweather, no, Logan oh, Paul and Floyd Mayweather is a one fight show. That's what that is. So it's different when you get three title fights on a UFC. Like the money does have to be spread out. It's not going to be the same. the The tickets are uh, the the pay per view buys the way they distribute it. I'm not necessarily saying it's fair how they do it. But the UFC gives such uh, more of an effort to make sure that you get a full quality show than boxing ever will. And not that's, only that's, that's all fair. Stories, yeah. Just the stories. Like, 
if you're just a fan that like say you invited a buddy over, right? He's a he's a guy you knew from high school, but he doesn't watch UFC, but he just wants to hang out with his buds, right? He comes over, he watches the very beginning intro of that video, and all three fights are explained in that video. And you're like, I don't know anything about this, but I'm intrigued. I want to see what happens. If I turn on boxing, I get nothing like that. I get nothing. They barely can explain the stories of who these guys are. You don't care about them. Like UFC is at such a different level than boxing, and that's why so many more people care about boxing. But there's always going to be your Canelos. There's always going to be your your big-time fighters that people are drawn to, your Tyson Fury, stuff like that. But it's not universal. And with, like I said, with UFC, I'm interested in the card on Saturday. I'll be interested in the card next Saturday. I'll be interested in the next pay-per-view. Boxing is nothing like that. And so it allows these dweebs to come in here and set up fights that really you don't need a ton of skill for, especially if you're fighting a guy that only has two or three fights. The thing that intrigues me about Jake Paul is, what if he's good? Like, what if he is good? We don't know. We know that he's a young kid. He's 24 years old. He trains with a lot of really good um, boxers. And he's got nothing but time and money to get better. Like, what if he's good? So yeah, that that's what's intriguing. What if they did set up him and Nate Diaz? And what if he beat Nate Diaz? Then what? You know? And to me, that's why he wants these UFC fighters, because it's a way for him to make himself look legit, that he belongs in the boxing world by beating big names in the UFC and showing that, hey, I belong in, in the tops of boxing. Imagine... Logan Paul has literally he hasn't won one one boxing bout yet. He lost the KSI and he's getting Floyd Mayweather. Like it, it it just boggles my mind. And I know you say that Floyd has done stuff, but like at least tension or whatever was like a legit fighter. They set that thing up. Floyd destroyed that kid. But at the end of the day, Manny Pacquiao is like 42 years old and he's looking to fight Terrence Crawford, who's the best pound for pound boxer in the world. And Floyd Mayweather is sitting on his ass, spending all of his money, setting up a fight on an exhibition showtime pay-per-view to fight Logan Paul. At some point, dignity matters. At some point, it's not just about selling your soul for money. And that's what Floyd Mayweather has been doing for years. Yeah, I just don't have a problem with him doing that at all. Like, you know what I'm saying? Just like, for, as a fan, I don't care. Like, if he if he went into pro wrestling, I wouldn't care. If he, like, when he did the thing with the Big Show, I consider that to be like the same concept. I mean, that is obviously not real or it's predetermined, whatever you want to but call like, it. What if, but what if George St. Pierre just said, you know what? Like, I'm retired from, from MMA, but I'm going to start fighting YouTube fighters in boxing. Like, don't you think at some point that that hurts his legacy? Don't you think at some point that that's like, dude, sure. you don't need to go there? Sure. I mean, the best example is BJ Penn. He's fighting people outside of bars. You know and what I mean? And he's getting knocked out. Right. Yeah. And it's right. awful. Yeah. It's, it's terrible, terrible to, to see. But so like, it's also kind of there. I'm pretty, I mean, just to be honest, like, I'm pretty disconnected. Like, like I'm, I'm obviously a huge fan of a lot of these fighters, but like, at the end of the day, I don't really care what their prerogative is either. Like, I'm not really one of those people that gets upset when, like, I mean, as a fan, you want every fighter to, like, reach their full potential and, like, you know, see the best and, like, really see the best fighters fight the best fighters. But, that, I mean, I don't know how I would act once I hit a certain level myself. You know what I mean? Like, once you make all the money that you need, it's kind of like you do what you want to do. Um, I It's frustrating. If I if I was a bigger fan of boxing, it would probably be a lot more frustrating. Like because it would. And that's, that's was, my thing. Is like yeah. I grew up with Floyd. I used to be a fan of Floyd when he did that crap with Victor Ortiz. That's really what soured me on him. Um, and then it's like the best shouldn't take as many shortcuts as this guy takes. He became a cherry picker. He also completely changed his style just to basically 
trick people into buying his fights to make it seem like he was going to go out there and throw down when all he literally planned on doing was boxing a little bit and holding, boxing, holding, boxing, holding. He knew he wasn't going to give people a show, but it also ruined boxing in a sense because people became so obsessed with the undefeated side of things Mm -hmm. that that's when guys really started ducking each other. And it really started with Floyd. Floyd made it to a point to where like being undefeated meant everything. And so in UFC, yes, you want to be undefeated, but you also understand you have to take on the best. And 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 Floyd was totally against that. And so that's my biggest gripe with Floyd. Yeah, for sure. I totally get that. Scotty Johnson in the chat with a random uh, Mir- Mirko call. I think he means Mirko Crow cop. Yeah, um, I, think he does too. I, I thought about him earlier when we were talking about um, that's something people don't consider enough, by the way. We were talking about it earlier when people get knocked out and you see the knockout. Mirko Krokop's a great example. He did it to other people and it happened to him where you can tear your ACL and destroy your legs on the fall. Cause, like there's the fall yep. of being knocked out. Um, yep. Kind of like what back. happened with Stipe, too. He got away with one because Francis made him fall on his leg. Yep. I always watch for that. That's the first thing I look at when someone's getting knocked out is where are their legs. I, like, I'm yeah. pretty conditioned to be paying attention to that. But, yeah, dude, I, I'm with you. With the, I understand your point of view with Floyd. Um, and, and, you know, it's, and it is it is a good comparison because, you know, even with BJ Penn, I, I wasn't like the biggest diehard BJ Penn fan when I was younger. I liked him, but I was always more of like a GSP, Nick Diaz. You know, I was a fan of yeah. more of his opponents than him. Right. Um, but it is still really sad to see the position that he's been in in the public eye lately. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, so I, I you well, know, I no, that dude, like from. he was on Twitter saying he wanted to fight Logan Paul. And I'm like, please don't. Or I mean, Jake Paul, like, please yeah. don't. Like, I don't want to see that. Yeah. So, Although whoever wins is going to be redeemed if they're kind of like on the MMA outs. Like if Tyron Woodley actually does fight Jake Paul and he knocks him out, like I will look at Tyron Woodley completely different than what I have in a long time. So it's, uh, it's very interesting, but let's get back to real fighting. Um, So the uh, fight between Weili Zhang and Rose, I mean, this is what MMA is all about, man. This is what this was what makes things so special. It's like, you know, you look at it on paper. It doesn't look good for Rose. You know, the power that Weili Zhang has had. But, like, you also know going in that Rose is the better fighter. As long as she can avoid getting hit, she is the better fighter. And so that's why I felt like if there was going to be an upset, it was going to be Rose. But, man, I did not expect her to knock her out in the first round basically with a head kick. Like, unbelievable. Like, when Wei Li just fell down, like, it it was it was almost just – I was just in shock at first. And she just went for the kill, and it was over. And, uh, yeah, that – and, and, like, I love just, you know, because you know mentally Rose battles with herself, and, like, she's standing in the corner when she's being introduced talking about – how she's the best. I'm the best. I'm the best. Like, and you're just like, damn, let's go, Rose. You can do this. And when she does it and Dana puts a belt on her and she's crying, like, just it's just so raw and real and genuine. And like I got emotional, just like teary-eyed watching it. Cause it's just it's something that you didn't know if she was ever gonna get back. And a lot of people, when they lose the title, they don't get it back. And for her to overcome that, I just thought it was an incredible MMA moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, she basically, like, almost did retire after she lost the title. So, you know, this has been a long journey for her of, like, deciding if she wants to keep doing this or not. And and I, she is a very emotional person. I've heard her talk about in interviews about all this stuff in her personal life and, 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 you know, just even just her instincts. Like she was on that bus where Connor threw the trolley yep. and that, that messed with her mentally a little bit. I mean, like there's, a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, by the way, it's just like that's, she processed it in, in a way that it, I mean, it messed with her and you know, there was, there's been other stuff. And what also was kind of cool. I don't know if I'm just like 
just it's just me being a fan and just almost like wishful thinking of seeing things line up certain ways. But when she hit that head kick, I was like, that was like a Pat Berry head kick right there. Like that's yeah. you know what I mean. Like that's like I bet you he works a lot I, with her I, on that stuff. I love I love their relationship. They've been through it. They're still with each other, and like Pat is his her biggest supporter, and like. Well, you could see when when she won, like Pat was over in the corner standing up, just yelling, like, yeah, you know, like it, it meant so much to him, too. And so, yeah, it's just it's a cool story. It, it does kind of it, it, do you think they should run that thing back? I wouldn't be. So I've, I'm never going to question running back title fights because we've seen fighters that have done less get title shots at this point, like. You know, Alexander Gustafson got a title shot after getting knocked out by Rumble Johnson. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that Wiley Zhang doesn't deserve a title shot when we've seen things like that happen. But like, I'm not like clamoring for it. I mean, Rose decisively knocked her out. Um, if Wiley won another fight, I'd be a little more interested. But I also wouldn't, it wouldn't like really bother me. I, I guess um, if you have any more thoughts, let me pull up the... Uh, I'm gonna pull up the rankings real quick and just see kind of who else. Okay. I mean, I guess you could all you because you always have Joanna. Um, Aren't they talking about uh, the the Cookie Monster? What's her name? Carla Esparza. I think they're yeah. doing that. And the the winner of that, I think that's a good option for Rose. Um, I, I'd be fi- I like I'd be fine with them running back Rose and uh, Rose and Joanna again. I mean, like those were good fights, and that's a that's a legit rivalry that doesn't come around too often, and they're. It's almost like Benavidez and Mighty Mouse almost a little bit. Like, you know, one of the two of them is always going to be right there. Just Benavidez could never, you know, get over the hump of Mighty Mouse. But Chris Warden send in the super chat. Appreciate it, Chris, about that. And I, I mean, I'm okay with that. But, like, the fact that Rose won twice, do you think that they should do it again? It's tough. It's like I said, it's kind of like the Benavidez or like a Uriah Faber type situation. Like, these, these fighters that are perennially like right there throughout their whole careers, number two ranked and just kept knocking out contender after contender. So it, but, I think, I think running back Whaley Zhang and, and, and uh, Joanna in a that, rematch makes sense. I mean, it would, it's just, there's just no way they can top that first one. The expectations are going to be so insanely high for that fight, but, but it was an incredible fight. So I, I mean, agree, but at least the stakes basically are whoever wins gets Rose. So then yeah. it would be, like, still a reason to do the fight. When you know who else has a lot of upside is Mackenzie Dern. If she wins another big one, I could see yeah. her up there. And she has a different skill set, too. Her, her on the ground, that presents a totally yeah. different problem. I like that fight. I think Rose might be too much for her right now, but I, I, I it's new. It's fresh. I like it. They probably will fight more than once. Because so. Dern's only, like, 25. The thing with 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 Rose to me also is like I don't see her being a fighter for a really long time. So try to get this stuff in when you can. I, I don't I don't think it's going to last forever. So, um, but yeah, it's that's that's interesting. But I, I think it's incredible that there's so much business impact draw from the female division right now. There's just a lot, and it's. And it's just an MMA in general. So um, it's really cool to see. And and there's and it's natural, you know, like it's not forced. It's not like, well, we're going to push her just because she's a woman. No, like these girls are the best. So and you want to see them. You want them on the card you're watching. You want them on the card you're attending. Um, it's just very cool. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. They one billion percent deserve their spots on these shows and the position that they're in. Like they're they're ha- and it's not just that. Like they're delivering. It's not just like two yeah. high level athletes. Like these fights are good. And even when they're one sided, you see just the brilliance of one of the two fighters and just how good they are. Like you see a Shevchenko, and it's like, yeah, she smoked Andrade, but like if you've been watching, you know how good Andrade is. So it's like ultra impressive to see a performance like that. Um, and then same with Rose. I mean. We saw Wiley Zhang and, you know, maybe her chin's a little rough after the Joanna fight. Maybe she's not quite the same after that. You never know. But, like, for the the war that we just saw Wiley Zhang and Joanna and Jacek have, for Rose to go out there in the first round and just sleep her like that. I mean, that's yep. so insanely impressive. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't – I couldn't I, – I think that they uh, – for a show that had this, this many eyes on it, 
it, like you're saying, like Bill being interested, not even being interested in years, and like these, and especially after the weirdness of the first two fights, like these two title fights really set the stage for that main event. Right. And now, like, he knows, like, okay, so Rose and Valentina, they're pretty established stars. Like, he gets it now, you know what I mean? Like, it's one thing to say, like, oh, yeah, well, this girl beat this girl or whatever. But, like, when you see it, when you see, especially an upset, like, it, it really, it, it gets stuck in your brain. So, um, it was very cool to see. And then, man, the main event, like, listen, I've been telling people for a while now, this Kamaro Usman GSP level discussion is here. Like this guy is looking like an all time great. He is, he is defending his title and he is finishing guys in brutal fashion. I mean, you want to talk about a perfect right hand that dropped that it crumbled him. It, he literally was asleep and his body fell on Usman's back just to fall down. And like, it was so surreal to me to see Usman after that last shot to the chin, literally flat on his back and completely asleep. Like I'm not used to seeing Masvidal in that, in that way. I'm not like, and the fact that Usman went in there and did what he did and put him away in the way that he did with the huge shot, sweat flying everywhere, completely knocked him out. Um, just ultra impressive. Like, if you don't think Kamaru Usman, if you don't like him, if you think he's a dork, whatever, but, man, put respect on that man's name. He is one of the best fighters in the world, if not the best fighter in the world. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I it's going to be interesting to see – what they try to do with him next because his that win over Masvidal was so decisive. Like there, I mean, the first one was a decision. It was, that was very decisive as well. It was completely one-sided, but this was like, you can't even come in come out of that fight being like, well, I mean, he's just a better athlete. or just a better wrestler. He went out there and completely knocked him out cold. Masvidal was in the same position on the ground that Darren Till was when Masvidal knocked him out. They're just, just yep. laying there, just looking at the lights, you know, like, yep. I mean, it was it was just it was just so so impressive, and it's really exciting to see because we know how insanely good his wrestling was, similar to GSP, like you mentioned a second ago. Like GSP, GSP's trajectory was kind of strange because he was a striker, then became a wrestler, then kind yep. of became more of a boxer wrestler. With yep. with Kamaru, it seems he's just a straight amateur wrestler that now has figured out how to box and has power behind his punches. So. Yep. He's going to be a massive problem. Like if he hits Colby like that, I mean, you know what I mean? Like I, I think Colby, we, like we said before, I think Colby has the best chance. And I think that that probably is the fight that makes the most sense next is Colby and Usman running it back. But Usman wasn't hitting Colby like that the first time that the two of them fought. Like he was hitting him a bunch, but he didn't catch him clean with that kind of power. And when he put him down, that was the accumulation of five rounds of fighting. Like, yep. I mean, if Usman could hit like this, like, I mean, this is like, he's a, he's a real, real, real problem for everybody. And like you said, yeah. he, he might be the best fighter, best uh, pound for pound fighter in the world right now. He really might be. Yeah. So let me play devil's advocate for Colby. Cause I am a Colby fan, even though he can be ultra obnoxious and cringe, but th- this is my devil's advocate for Colby. Nobody is going to push the pace on Usman like Colby will. So Cardio I don't line. necessarily yeah. know if if Usman is going to get a lot of opportunities to just throw huge punches when Colby is just constantly putting pressure, throwing little baby punches, pressure, pressure. Also, he has to worry about the takedown. You know, he's not worried about the takedown with Jorge Masvidal. Right. And I thought that that was an interesting way to approach it was, it's like, look, I'm not even going to try to take you down, bro. We're going to stand and bang, and I'm going to knock you out. And that's exactly what he did. And I thought that there were warning signs for Masvidal, and he had to kind of save face for the trash talk that he said about how soft of a puncher he was and all that stuff, because there were a couple times where Usman caught Masvidal, and you could tell it really got his attention. And he smiled about it and all that stuff, but he knew – oh, crap, this guy has serious power. But I will say, keep in mind, too, I personally think Usman was looking a little tired after the first round. 
his cardio did not seem the same to me. And I thought the same thing with kind of Gilbert Burns. I feel like if Colby can really push the pace on Usman, then it could be a different story. And Colby did hurt him in the body. He did hurt him in the body and they treated it like a nut shot. So yes, I think the key thing for Usman is he's now training at Trevor Whitman's. I think that that's monstrous for him. I think, you know, training with Justin Gaethje and, and those guys like, you know, even Rose, like uh, just a championship mentality over there. I think that, but Colby's also training at his own place now and, and kind of making sure that things are catered to him and not at ATT. So I, Listen, at the end of the day, I think Usman's going to win the fight. But I'm interested in the fight. I think the fight's going to be good. I think the buildup is going to be fantastic. And I really think that these are the two best in the division. And I, I'm i always going to respect the fact that when the two best fight, like it's usually a great fight. And there's buildup, there's heat. Like, And Another thing I think also is Usman is going to try to knock Colby out. There is not going to be a decision in this fight. And so will that make him swing for the fences and possibly make him not have the best game plan? There's just a lot of different factors. There are. And also keeping in mind, I mean, I thought Masvidal arguably won the first round. Like, yeah, when, you know, so, you know, and um, Sean Byrne in the chat noticed that Burns uh, caught him too. I mean, so uh, Usman's been hit, and Colby hit him yep. a lot as well in their fight. Yep. Um, so there is that to consider too. So I, I mean, um, I, I'm at a position right now with Usman that I just, I just can't pick against him. And same with like John Jones. I just can't pick against John Jones. Like I just don't. I, I just have no reason to still. But. But like, and I feel the same way about Usman right now. I just can't pick against him. But I think, like you're saying, I, and and I fully agree. I think Colby is the one who has the most potential to beat him of of any of the contenders right now. Um, and then we can also talk Nick Diaz because that kind of bleeds into this as well. Yep, this bleeds into it, and we're definitely going to talk about it. Uh, first of all, since you said his name, let's uh, let's get a little the man. He's back. Everyone, get excited. Um, my, I'm very – so, to me, the perfect opponent for Nick's return is Masvidal. Agreed. Uh, it's just – it's such a money fight. It's such a big fight. And we don't know if Masvidal's ever going to get to that title again. And so, you got to do this fight. And you don't want to do Nick and, like, some killer because you're just going to kill all of Nick's markability and, and not get a big fight like a Masvidal fight. So – to me, like, I know that Masvidal said that he basically wants to do this thing kind of towards the end of the year, and, and he will fight Nick, but he'll, he wants it on his time. Um, and so, I, I, God, do it. Just do it. I mean, to me, like, for all the diehard fans that have been watching this sport for a long time, Nate Diaz, that's cool and all. You know, it's great. But, dude, Nick is the, the guy. Like the, the Diaz army is Nick Diaz. This is his stuff. You know, when they like say, I started this gangster shit. This is Nick's stuff. Nick BMS, started that's, this. Nick, Nick Diaz is BMF. That's right. the original and, and BMF. Nick, and yeah. you put that belt on the line. You put that BMF yeah. on the line with Nick. And that you you have to do that fight. There's just no other way around it. Especially if both are willing to do it. Like that is just, that's that's printing money. Like I, 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 if if they make that fight, there's not a bigger fight. You could do Francis Ngannou, John Jones. You could do Conor McGregor and whoever else. You could do whatever you want. There is nothing bigger to me than Masvidal Nick Diaz. The only one that I would say would be possibly bigger. You just mentioned it, kind of like accidentally. If they did Nick and Conor, that'd be huge too. Oh, I would. Um, I mean, yes. Yeah, Anything yeah. with Nick is basically what <laughs> well, I'm saying. Well, because you like, don't want Nick. And, you don't. You don't want Nick and Chimeyov, and I get that because you don't want. You don't Hell want because no. it's not a huge fight, and if he beats him, well, he basically just takes. Here's my thing. This is the only reason you make this fight, in my opinion. This is a we're going to destroy your credibility and get you out of here fight. This is a Tito Ortiz Leota Machida fight. This is a Rampage Glover to Share fight. You do not make this fight if you plan on making money with Nick Diaz. This fight is to destroy Nick Diaz, and I hate it. I absolutely, I can't believe that they had the audacity to offer him that fight. Like, 
terrible idea. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. And it's and- funny because this guy isn't even ranked. He's not even ranked. And I am scared totally about this guy. Like I just see his ability and he looks like a 170 pound Khabib with punching power. Like I, I want Nick nowhere near that guy. Yeah, I don't want to see him fight Nick either. But I get the UFC, like, what they're trying to do with it. It's like it's like you just said. Like, if because a lot of people would tune in to see the return of Nick Diaz, and then a bunch of people would leave if if Chimayev won, being like, I didn't even know who this guy was, and now he's like, my dude, I'm going to be following. Another name that I would throw out there, just because it would be a big enough name. It wouldn't be to the level of a Masvidal or a, or a Connor, but – just considering the position he's in, because we don't really know where Nick's at because it's been so long. I run back Robbie Lawler. You know, that could be a good one. I in my opinion, if you're gonna run back another fight, run back Carlos Condit. Because oh, I'm good with Carlos that too. Condit I'm good with that too. Same has position. Won two in a row and he beat Nick. So there's a right. chance for a rematch. Nick Nick knocked Robbie out. And you could do that, but to me, that's a type of fight that if Nick says, look, I'm one and done. And you want me to fight Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler has also decided he wants to retire. And y'all are going to go out and bang and, and fight till the end and your careers are over afterwards. Like that's a Diego and Donald Cowboy Cerrone type fight to me. Right. Which but is coming like, up, it, by the way, y'all. It is. <laughs> yeah. And and at the end of the day, to me, if you still care about Nick or Masvidal, you do this fight because – Whoever wins is going to be better for it, and you can push to the next pillar. And uh, I just, damn it, I want Nick Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal. That's the fight to make. There's so much story there, too. Like, you did this to my brother. Like, and it's like, you don't need, like, the whole time that they've been talking about doing Nate and Jorge Masvidal, no, the fight has always been Nick and Jorge Masvidal. That was the fight that they wanted to do before Nick got suspended yep. or after he got suspended, whatever. Yeah, but it like, was the Alcamoto reported it and they just never right. wound up. Yeah. I so remember. like this has always been the fight and Nate has gotten gotten in there because he's a BMF or whatever. But like you do this fight, Nick Diaz, Jorge Masvidal, make it happen. Yeah, I think that's the best option too. Him and him and Connor for and Connor's like the same reasons for them for Masvidal. Just you don't have the BMF title, but I mean, same thing. You and me, and my you and my brother have beef. Like I'm gonna come here and you know f you up. It's not you only know. that you you have beef. You beat my brother. You kicked my brother in his face, and he calls him his baby brother too. He doesn't just right. call him his brother. He's like you, my baby brother. Like he wants revenge. That's the whole point. And yeah, he I just, love it. And, and Masvidal is so game. Like, I don't even know if you saw his post-fight afterwards with Ariel, like that interview. And, dude, like, he totally handled it just like, like, look, at the end of the day, I'm a fan of the sport. And, like, he hit me with a great shot. Like, I'm almost a fan of how he did it. I just wish it wasn't to me. And then he, they were like, you know, are you still going to hate him or whatever? He's like, honestly, if he's going to fight like that for now on, like, I'll be a fan. I'll respect him. Nice. So Masvidal's just game, dude. He's just a fighter. That's at the end of the day. He's just a fighter. He showed up. He took off his shirt. He 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 took off his pants. He just ran right up into the octagon, ready to fight. He's gonna fight whoever. He's always been that way. And and to me, like he's got a lot of Diaz in him. So have a fight. And yeah. and I think I, and and regardless what anyone says about Nate and it, like I think Nick's the better fighter. And Same. I want to see Nick. I want to see Nick fight Jorge Masvidal. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah, I mean I'm not shy about saying it. Nick Diaz is my favorite fighter ever. Like. Yeah, all time, any company. I mean, he's and why? Know, why? Why is that in your opinion? Because I can tell you mine. So a few different reasons for me. One is his fighting style. I just really I like. Two is the fact that he was just so misunderstood for so long, and like yeah. he just isn't the best at articulating his thoughts. He just, but he nope. there's a lot going on up there. Oh yeah, um, there's a lot. Um, but in a but honestly, a big part of it is I see a lot because I'm an older brother and my younger brother. He like I got him into combat sports, like being a fan. And now my brother is a he owns a boxing gym up the street. Like I, we, me and him look very similar. The Diaz brothers look very similar. I have that same type of feeling towards my brother that I have with that. I feel like Nate has uh, Nick has with Nate. You know, I'm very protective, and I, you know, I, I know that my brother looks up to me. So a lot of the decisions I make, I know he's watching, and I could be affecting his decision making based on the decisions I make, even at 
I'm 32 and he's 30. You know, I mean, we're not that far apart, yeah. but it's so it's but so I just there's a lot of parallels and kind of what I see with him as his family. And then also on top of that, I just love the mentality of the Diaz army because it's a yep. group of guys who hang out and smoke weed and go to the beach and do whatever, but it's all whatever Nick is wanting to do. So like they could be hanging out, just they could be blazed out of their minds, chilling on the couch and Nick could go, all right, y'all time for a five mile run. And they just go, all right, cool. Nick says, we got to go for a run. We're going for a run. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's what he, they follow him. And I mean, yep. I just think it's, I just think it's awesome. Yeah. Like, especially back when it was like Gilbert Melendez and Jake Shields and, and Nate and Grant Nick Pat. and like, yeah. And Joe Schilling and like, you know, they just had a bunch of them. So like they were just, uh, even Rhonda hung out with them time too. And like, what I, what I just love is like, look, at the end of the day, this is fighting and there's no real, there's no more real fighters than the Diaz brothers. Like, they're down for whatever, and they're not. They're not like, hey, let's you know sign the contract and set it up. Like, no, we're gonna fight now. If you want to talk now, that's why. Like, if Jake Paul wanted to like come up to them in the crowd, like, then we'll fight now. Like, they're just they're just down to fight. They they're blood and guts. They go to war, um, and they're real, right? Like, there's nothing fake about the Diaz brothers. That's what I love about them. And this is, this, you know, the UFC slant, uh, slogan was always as real as it gets. Like, that's what the Diaz brothers were. And I've completely followed Nick's career from the very beginning. Like, I remember uh, him in UFC 42 and, like, UFC 47 knocking out Robbie Lawler. And then, like, him fighting uh, Carl Parisian on, like, the prelims of UFC 51 and, like, him and Diego on the Ultimate Fighter at the finale. Like, I just – Nick and then going to Strike Force and Elite XC. Like, like I, I've been a fan of Nick for the longest time, and I hate the way that, like, basically his career was going to end by him just losing to Anderson Silva on a decision. Like, Dude, let that guy go out there and fight a killer like Jorge Masvidal, and let's see who's still got it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so much of his career was like plagued with these BS suspensions for things that like the company endorses now. Like they have like CBD sponsors, and he's well, like the Gomi thing, dude. I mean, that was such a big win back then. Like Gomi was mm-hmm. Gomi was like the Pride poster boy, and they set up a U.S. show in in Vegas, and Nick beat him. And and it's just like, holy crap, like Nick Diaz is legit. And then they took it away from him for testing positive for weed. And so, like, he, he's always dealt with that. He's always battled the commissions. And at, at the end of the day, why do we care if fighters smoke weed? Like, I don't care. Like, I just want them to fight. That's what they're there for. Like, oh, yeah. So, I it, mean, it's, it's been that- a dumb battle forever. And that that adds so much though to like the legend of Nick Diaz for me is the for fact sure. that the fact that he went out there because I remember those days too. I remember going on the Sure Dog you know forums and and debating people like Pride versus UFC who would beat who and all this stuff all the time. And I mean, I will the fact that Nick Diaz went out there because Gomi was going out there and his boxing back then was like so second to none. And he was piecing up Nick for a minute and then yep. Nick started getting the better of him. And it's like, yep. wait a second, he's getting the better. Of him. And then Nick's like, his chin is granite. So like, he's not, he's not, he's not giving up. And then not only does he beat him, he taps him with a go-go plata, which yep. you like never seen. Which you never seen. Yeah. And, it was, and, it was crazy. And then they find out that his, the level of THC in his body was so high that he had to have smoked in the locker room right before the fight. So it's like, this dude is so fearless that he went out there and fought the most dangerous fighter in the world in his weight class, outstruck him, and then tapped him with, like, the rarest submission ever with higher than anyone should ever be in an octagon or in a a ring at the time. So it's like, and then he gets suspended for it. It's just so on brand. It was just like, of course, he gets suspended. But, like, no one can take away that moment. Don't forget the Joe Riggs story. Like, the thing is going to go down forever. And, like... Like, what's funny, too, is, like, I remember Nick at the press conferences, you know, and he would just be like, oh, you know, you know, thanks for supporting sports. It's pretty cool. Like, yeah, we're we, we, we're here. We made it. And, like, people are cheering. He's like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool and stuff. And then, like, I hear about the fight because he was pretty chill. He wasn't crazy. I hear about the fight. And I used to listen to MMA Weekly all the time, right, with Ryan Bennett. 
And he calls in that Ryan Bennett show. And I mean, just dropping F-bomb after F-bomb. And I'm like, my God, who is this man? This is crazy. And like, (laughs) after that, it's like never stopped. He even like fights that didn't happen, like the mayhem stuff, the mayhem buildup and all that. Like, another thing that's really like crazy to me about Nick is like so many people – like a fighter, they don't hate it to the point to where he hates it. And even like GSP hated it, but he never really showed it. Nick is like furious walking to the cage and he's not furious in a sense that like he's going to have to fight this guy. Like he he's so mad at the guy. He's so furious that his life has put him in this position that he has to walk down this cage in front of all these people, and he has to fight that man in the cage. It, it it literally pisses him off. It upsets him that he has put himself in this position. And so, like when people are like, "Man, you did so great. That's awesome," and he's just like, "What are you talking about, dude? I got my face smashed in. Like you go out there. You know what I mean? Like he's just always been so raw and so genuine. So like the fact that he's coming back, I." I absolutely love the idea. Yeah, well, and it, and it pisses him off even more than he put his brother in the same position that he's in. One hundred percent, and that's one hundred percent. You know, and you can and just so, tell. And, and I think that's what even sells this Masvidal story is the fact that like I did this to my brother. Now I'm going to go fix it. You kicked him in the face. You kicked my baby brother in the face, and so now you got to deal with me. Like, give me that countdown show. That's Give awesome. it to me all. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, dude. 